you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, it's DJ and Bucky from Move the Sticks. Before you get to your episode, here's what's coming up on the latest episode of Move the Sticks. We're going to talk about our top three draft surprises, and we're going to build two all-star teams, offense, defense, with rookies based on their best team fits. Plus, we have a great Moritz Boehringer story. You're going to want to check it out. NFL.com slash podcast, iTunes, as well as YouTube. The Around the NFL podcast has season tickets to the Portland River Hogs. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What is happening? Well, hold on. Yeah. Frankly concerned. I mean, let's that we're oh we're all good friends, but then like minutes before seconds. the show begins, seconds, there is, as people know, you and Wes cobbled together this, you know, NFL media softball team. You're one and oh, you played one game over the course the of what, also three weeks. Irish on the team too. You guys are already infighting. You <laughs> and it's coming apart at the seams between Wes and Dan and Greg and I, a very uncomfortable situation for Greg. Let me let me tell you my where where this is all coming from. I am the captain of the team, the manager, if you will. Uh, Wes is not only one of my greatest stars. Wait, are you also... the captain and the manager? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the... Uh, <laughs> Who named you captain? Uh, the manager City of Los captain. Angeles. Um, Wes is my Don Zimmer, my consigliere. Uh, <laughs> and we have a roster of 17 people, which is not easy. Way too many. And the problem um, here is that in a co-ed softball league, and we have a big matchup tonight, um, uh, against Fundamentals is the team tonight at 9 p.m. Uh, come on out to Chevy Out Hills if you want to check it out. Uh, the problem here is that my shortstop is a, a man by the name of Tony Garcia. He works downstairs on the network side, and he was drafted by the Chicago Cubs out of college um, and played several years of minor league ball and is still in great shape and gifted athletically, so I put him strong resume at shortstop, batting him third. And since it's a, a, a men's and women's team, you have to alternate spots. So Wes uh, believes that he should be batting third, not the former professional baseball player. And I said, Wes, I need, I'll give you the choice of one or five, but I'm going to keep Tony in the three slot to start. It'll be a meritocracy going forward, but I want to get you as many bats as possible because I know that you're a star. Doesn't seem so crazy to me, does it? From my point of view, I'm just saying I have probably 20 years of running softball teams and winning leagues and another 10 years of playing in co-ed leagues. I know what my biggest asset is. It's it's situational ball, and that's where you want your three-hole hitter. I know exactly what to do in every situation. You've never seen Tony Garcia play softball, and you have told me it's a meritocracy. I believe my performance in game one merited wherever I want to hit. What did you do in that game? I knocked the ball around. I'll say what he did. 
six for six with three home runs. I didn't realize that. Situ- That's not enough for you. Well, it was it was basically going against a bunch of like nuns that, and uh, children. That's a fair point. No one's uh, arguing that really you two guys are opponent. both mashers. Whatever. It's just you I'm, I'm saying I'm not a masher. You want your three hole guy to be able to hit it wherever he. You're wants. a surgeon. You. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know, and I am, and I I'm not as experienced. So this shows my lack of knowledge that that situational softball. Uh, was akin to you know getting a sixteen hundred on the. <laughs> it it took such some a, people, a Mensa member to figure out all the complications. So you are showing your ignorance. Yeah. Here, here's the here's the bottom. There's line. a lot of strategy, especially in coed, where you have to know where the hole is, because when your guys are up, they absolutely have to get hits. From my standpoint, um, uh, Wes is a guy that needs to get up as many times as possible. So I I prefer him uh, to bat leadoff at this point, and if he is continues to sting the ball and Tony struggles a little bit, I will absolutely move West. This isn't, you're spot. missing my point. I am not a masher. I, believe, I don't need you to be a masher. I believe Tony might be a masher, which is why he should be hitting fifth behind me to drive me in. You and I have not seen Tony play yet, so let's let's see what happens today. Maybe he should be hitting ninth. I'm, yeah, hold on. <laughs> I'm judging this on Major League Baseball and their draft system, and, and to- what I've heard in scouting reports is that he was excellent in our last game. By the way, I'm sitting about a foot and a half from uh, every one of these conversations that are relentlessly <laughs> happening. David. How many more games in this season? Oh, we're playing through August, baby. Um, that is unbelievable. And my, my final word is uh, all due respect to Wes, great player, but sometimes a manager and a captain manager, uh, you have to massage egos of your greatest players and that's what, and what I'm, I'm gently pushing Wes to be from great to an all-time player. You're a Bill Parcells. That's what I'm trying to do right now. That's insane. And the chip on Wes's shoulder—that is insane. I hope it doesn't. Uh, that would doesn't be like if you were. That would be like if you were Todd Bowles, and you're like, I'm going to push Belichick right now because he needs it. <laughs> there is an. What do you know about softball? There is an <laughs> analytics uh, argument to be made. The best players just bat first. The better you are, the higher you bat. You know, you're going to be on. And table. by the way, Wes, with all due yeah. respect, I played a plenty of softball and baseball in my life. Well, you hit a certain level. It's not. It is not rocket science. We're 16 minutes it's into like the show. The the girl that doesn't have a glove in right center field hit it at her. All right, I'll do that. Can it's, you do it? Absolutely. I've never seen you hit the opposite field. Oh yeah. yeah. What about when I completed the cycle and I sprayed <laughs> a single to right field? Listen. I'm all right with my spot in the lineup, by the way. That's, I'm looking for those type of players. But Wes, I know, is a different type of player and a different personality. Greg, you're a boss. You know it's about managing personalities as oh, much oh. as managing talent. Absolutely. Working with you guys, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I just don't need it from all fronts right now. I'm still dealing with the spice rack fallout, um, a, you know, total meltdown out in the, out in the desert. Uh, and we've both sides, we heard people that love spice rack, people that hated his appearance on our last show, and frankly, I think, and we have not had a, a formal sit-down, we're not sure if we can have him on again. We I'm, don't know if wow. it's going to happen. I'm still mystified. I have no idea what happened or why it happened. I think it's fair to say at least one of the four of us would vote no. We don't need to reveal who that is. Um, but okay. there's a hard no in the group, and I think that there's a variable uh, a sea of reactions beyond that. So, yeah, right now his future with the show is up in the air after, uh, I would say, a, a wild-eyed performance by Wes's uh, desert consigliere. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yes. It was, gro- it was a grotesque heel turn. That's the way I tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go. Let's Now let's turn our attention to the NFL, uh, which we probably should do, um, and talk about um, the NFC because uh, on our last show we went around the AFC in 48 minutes. Uh, the fallout following the draft, of course, and now looking ahead as the teams begin their offseason programs. Um, so we went through each of the AFC teams. There are 16 teams. Uh, now we're going to look in the NFC where there is uh, uh, one conference and 16 teams, um, four per teams per division in the conference. So <laughs> that's where we're at right now. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to bring this back pre-show grade right now, guys. B plus. Mm. Wow! How does the soft segment uh, affect the grade? Uh, this I thought it was you know it was natural and real. I don't know if people want to hear about the softball team, but it is something that's going on in in the newsroom. Like I said, there's oh yes it is on the team. 
You had a chance to be on the team, Mark. No, I again, yeah. I would not, I would only have hurt your chances of at this point going one and zero after four weeks of conversation. Right. Well, you consider- Maybe you guys could play a second game at some point. You know, get a little. You know, let's move <laughs> this thing along. Will you consider coming to the game and drinking beer with me? I'd be happy to go to a game. All right. See, this, I could walk Wes, there again, from my house. I have to. I have to worry about Wes. I mean, is he is he have a sus- substance abuse problem as well? Oh, wow! It's like nineteen eighty five, Dwight Good in here. I don't know if I've ever played a softball game without beer. You <laughs> ever heard of insane. Babe Ruth? <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, let's get into it. Let's let's uh, not waste any more time, guys. We're going to go through each team. Each team gets three minutes. I do not joke around here. Uh, after three minutes, you will hear this. That means we're moving on. So let us start. In the NFC East, and just like we started last show, Mark Sessler, you'll start us up again, and you're going to start us with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's right, and sirs, we have a two-part question alert. Oh. Wow. It's scary. Is that one like a nuclear bomb? Yeah, that sound does not count as part of the three minutes. That's an add-on. It does count, actually. Part one, we've got to keep yeah. these quick, guys, and I want a two-word answer here. Got to be quick. What week does Carson Palmer – sorry, what week does Carson Wentz make his first start? Round the horn. Six. Week four. Five. I, I wrote a piece on this predicting when the rookies start. I said Carson Wentz will not start all year because I think the Eagles are going to the playoffs. I like that. Look at you, Greg. I'm going to go week that? one. Part two, upon his hire, I quickly rated Doug Peterson as a top five hottest coach in NFL circles. Question, was I too rash? Did I jump the gun? Is he just a guy? Discuss. I thought you were rash from the beginning because I'm not wild about his hair. He doesn't strike me as an attractive man. Uh, His hair does have a bouffanti quality, which I don't always hate on. Uh, I, I kind of have one myself. But it it does kind of it looks a little bit like a chips type look if you remember that old show. Sure. Ponch and John. Yeah, so I'm gonna say yeah. He also stood out because he wore a tailored suit at his introductory press conference, like days after uh, Ben McAdoo wore like a triple XL on a medium frame, and it made him look better. But I don't think he's a standout. <laughs> I think you were rash, and I would say I was concerned that this is always your first thought when a new coach is hired, and it has nothing to do with football. <laughs> Well, you know, and I I know Greg wanted to talk. You got you've got a little bit of extra time to give a little footbally note about the Eagles because I can. I have no, nothing in particular. Well, I want to hear more no, about that, that why was, you think they're going to be a playoff team. Well, I like the roster on defense. I think it's <laughs> a, I think it's a ba- I think it's a bad division. I think they have enough going on. I mean, I just think someone has to win this division, and the schedule is very easy. And I think Dallas and Philly's in a good spot. But I had nothing in particular to say. I was just making a bit there, off of Peterson. I mean, there's no way. I would think the Eagles, and we did talk about this, Greg, recently uh, when we were on Gonzo's show out in Philly, uh, CSN Philly. You um, from the 700 level. You from the 700 level, which you guys can check out, find it on the old internet. Um, but the rosters, if you go each roster in the division, and we should keep this Eagles focus, but they're all kind of equal, I would think. There's no team that really stands out, right? I think the Cowboys offense stands out to me. I think that's fair. Well, I think the Redskins have a lot of weapons on offense too. But what about the Eagles, guys? The topic of I think the issue in in Philly is if Sam, if this Sam Bradford thing just continues to get worse and worse, and and Wentz truly isn't ready, like many believe he won't be, and then you've got Chase Daniel as your starter for the year, which is not the way they plan it, but that may be better than Bradford. Actually, I can't envision a team with Sam Bradford in the playoffs. I I think that Daniel's not a huge step down. I fully expect Sam Bradford to be playing for this team once he has to show up for mandatory work. Moving on, the New York Giants, Chris Wesley. We heard Dave Gettleman, Panthers GM, insisted he did not shop hungry. Did the Giants shop too hungry all offseason, including the draft when Leonard the Bears traded up to get Leonard Floyd and they settled for Eli Apple? Did they shop too hungry? I think that they broadcast what they wanted in the draft more than almost any other team beyond the two that, that traded you up for a quarterback. Because in theory, they didn't shop hungry enough. They should have traded up for their guy, I guess. It, you could make the argument because uh, Jerry Reese never moves. in the. Was he too hungry for cornerbacks in a draft and too hungry for star players in free agency or big names? In mm. Is this sponsored by Snickers? Isn't this their exact <laughs> ad campaign? Right I now? mean, this is a guy trying to save his job. Right. That's and, why and, he's hungry. I, I think that he's in a more of a desperate mode than we've seen the Giants front office previously. Well, I think they wanted uh, – they wanted – Floyd, and then the leaks got out there. Whoever is leaking that out of the Giants building cost them a draft pick, 
Conklin was another guy that they had circled. So I think that the two guys that they wanted went ahead of them. I mean, it's not like they don't need cornerbacks. I don't buy. I don't buy the. Well, they're they're set. I mean, they got DRC, Janoris Jenkins, and Bennett Jackson. Like, there's no way that you could have another guy there. I mean, it makes sense to always add cornerbacks, but I just don't think this defensive roster is nearly as good as people think. I think what they did adding all those players got them like a little bit better because they lost players too. They lost Mukamara. They lost Ayers. I mean, those aren't superstars, but I don't know if good you, players. It, they're good players. They were two of the better players on the defense last year. That was one of the worst in the league. I like their move to go, uh, go get a wide receiver with their second round pick. I don't know. Um, if Sterling Shepard can actually play at this level, but I can tell you that the one thing they couldn't do is go into another offseason uh, uh, thinking Victor Cruz is going to be the guy. So that gives them a little bit of wiggle room, exactly, if if Cruz has more setbacks or if he just doesn't move like he used to, which is all very real possibilities given his injury history now. So that that was one of, you know, you don't draft for uh, need, you draft for skill and all that, but, you know, if Shepard is a guy that can play, they hit it on both counts in the second round. He sounds like a Cruz clone, which is never good when you draft the guy like Jairus Bird uh, with the Saints will get ja to. <laughs> when you draft a player whose profile is very similar to the guy on the roster, that's kind of ed- on the edge of the roster, and that's Sterling Shepard and Cruz. The, the problem I think Giants fans have, and I have with this draft, is they didn't draft any offensive linemen. It was one of the biggest holes in the league going into the draft, and it wasn't addressed at all, and it's a disastrous-looking offensive line. They've had issues with that line. I mean, you need a, you basically needed a new right guard and a new right tackle, and you you address neither. Well done. Well, well their left tackle should be at right tackle, and their right tackle should be at guard. They could have just drafted Laramie Tunsil and fixed all of that. And they've got a lot of high draft picks at the position. And I, I wanted to point out, before we get to the horn, this article we read where Weston Richburg, the center, called out the rest of the Giants' offensive line, saying most of the guys on my offensive line aren't doing anything right now. They take their jobs for granted. Boom! <laughs> They should have taken tons of Wes's right. Moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. Here's my question. Do the Cowboys know what they want to be or who they want to be? Are they a team of now? You'll get go get Zeke Elliott, and all of a sudden you're building uh, this monster offense team potentially. And then the second round, instead of building with an immediate guy, you go and get Jalen Smith, who might be a guy who doesn't play a snap this season. I feel like the Cowboys need to go all in and not waste any more time, and Jalen Smith seems like a move with one eye on tomorrow. Am I wrong? If it works, then Jerry Jones looks like a genius. I mean, if he comes back and, and is the player that people think he, he could have been, then it's another narrative where Jerry Jones is, is the guy who takes risks and it works. He's also one of the only people in the league with a job security to go do what he did. There is no <laughs> yes, must win now if you're Jerry Jones. They've been talking about getting back to the Super Bowl since 1995. They're not putting him on pup. They, they're not going to put him on the season-ending pup. They're going to hope he comes back for the late, late in the season and the playoffs. And their doctor, like we said before, has access to his medical information as much as anyone. He performed the surgery. It was still a little weird to see him. If you're going to take the risk of a guy like that, why not take Jack? Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't fit their roster quite as much. They have. Yeah, they that have makes sense in, to me. Because then you, Jack is seen as a guy as a, you might get him for four or five years, and who knows what happens after that. Jalen Smith, it, it might be a situation where you're looking ahead two to three years uh, to really get any return on investment. Tony Romo, 36 years old, 7,000 surgeries to his ledger. They did take a couple defensive linemen, Malik Collins, Charles Tapper, but that is a, a defensive line that you're hoping those mid-round picks pay some dividends early because between the injuries and the suspensions, you have Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory and you had a lot of free agent losses. Like The front of that line is going to be bad. They're going to have to score a lot of points this year. They also, you know, Jerry Jones came out today and said that Kellen Moore is our number two quarterback. We're not going to do anything else to address that. And it's not easy just to go find a world-class backup quarterback. I get that. But honestly, they're one Tony Romo injury away from being in the same exact situation they were last year because Dak Prescott is not ready for prime time yet. I mean, they tried. We hear that they were up against the Broncos to get uh, Paxton um, but it didn't Paxton Lynch, but they couldn't get him, so they settled with Dak Prescott in the fourth round. They also tried to get Connor Cook, and the Raiders trade up right in front of him right before their pick to take 
Connor Cook. I will miss Jerry Jones, though, because what other owners, first of all, they make these moves like Elliott. They go after Lynch. They go for the big splashes. But then after the draft, Jerry Jones literally tells the most popular <laughs> national reporter in the league, I, I really regret not going and get Paxton Lynch. Like, I really wish I did that. I really wish we didn't take Jalen Smith. You got to wonder. I mean, he's not saying that. He's a smart he guy. You got to wonder why he does those things. Just because two years removed from him saying, I really wished I would have taken Johnny Manziel. That's right. That's fair. Washington, the Washington Redskins, Greg Rosenthal. Well, the events of the last week in Washington got me thinking. I mean, you take Josh Dotson, a lot of people's favorite wide receiver in the league, and then you go hand, I mean, in the draft, and you go hand a $50 million contract on Thursday as we tape this to Jordan Reed. Do they have the deepest group of pass catchers mm. in the entire NFL? Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, Josh Dotson, Jamison Crowder, who was pretty good as a rookie, Jordan Reed. You could even throw Vernon Davis and some other types. I knew you'd throw him in. You sneaky I mean, love Vernon Davis. I, I feel like people talked about the Redskins, even their w- wide receiver group, even two years ago that way. And they hit on people last year, and now you add Dotson. Absolutely. And, I, and you, what, some people want their teams to draft for need, and Scott McLuhan will never do that. He went out and he proved it. He said, I'm the best player available. I, no one thought they were going to go wide receiver. They did. It's a very interesting offense. The NFC East is finally interesting to me. I will take Arizona's. Throwing mm. in J.J. Nelson and David Johnson and Andre Ellington into the pass catchers. Mm. Well, you could throw David. Yeah, you did just throw David Johnson. Yeah, they don't have any tight ends, but I would. that might be true because you get the three receivers at the top. I would take the Cardinals' three receivers over it, but it's close. we got to see what Dotson is. I mean, sounds like that's going to work out fine. Well, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon sneakily you know, weren't that productive last year. They combined for 1,300 yards. But that it's amazing that they had such an effective offense with those two guys not really being consistent or, or in Jackson's they were, case on the field all the time. It was a tale of two seasons. They were a different offense when Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed were in the lineup, hmm. and they weren't very good when those guys were injured. What about the backfield? Do we, is Matt Jones, who's they said leading up to the draft that he was a guy that they were comfortable with him being the number one guy potentially, and then they showed it in the draft by not really prioritizing the position – I know we were big fans of him in this room initially in the season. Then he really kind of faded as the campaign wore on. I like him a lot, but it is not a good situation that Chris Thompson is their backup running back. I mean, Mark, you were talking about the Raiders situation behind Latavius Murray. There's the Redskins situation. Now that I look at it, it's, Probably the thinnest backfield in the league, really, after Matt Jones. It's one of them. At least. They should go get Alfred Morris back, by the way. I'm not even joking around. Well, or, <laughs> you know, in Dallas. you could you could just get a, a little Metro train and get, you know, Trent Richardson when he's healthy. He's oh, back boy. in shape right off Baltimore. When he gets cut by Baltimore, send him right up to the nation's The Ravens capital. have a, a lot of running run. backs, so that's not they a do. bad idea. Buck Allen, maybe. Or, or yeah, Trent Richardson or in 2016 will solve someone's backfield yeah, problem. Yeah, well, we'll Richardson see. Richardson is the Ravens' back. Well, what, though, it's, if there's any position where if someone spends the offseason getting into shape, that's where it can have impact on your game. Trent Richardson looks healthy. I fun. thought you were joking. You're being serious right now. I am not kidding. Wow. <laughs> you are kidding. Stop. Let's move on to the NFC North, beginning with Mark Sessler and the Green Bay Packers. All right. NFL media, you know, down in our newsroom, has been weirdly reticent uh, about giving P90X creator Tony Horton his due <laughs> for turning Packers running back Eddie Lacy into a slim-down on-field assassin. Another two-part question for you. <laughs> this just gives me anxiety when I hear this horn. <laughs> All right, part one, and let's just start right here. Give me your numbers for Eddie Lacy. Is this thing real? Rushing yardage and touchdowns next season. Hold on, let me look at what he did a couple years ago because I'll probably go and say almost exactly what he did. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to go 1,300 yards and wow. 10 touchdowns. 1,300 rushing yards? Yep. That is big. Beast. I'll go 1,200 yards. He's never had 1,200 before and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. I, I think we're all in that ballpark. I mean, I do you agree, Greg? Yeah, that's about what I, I was going to say, too. We're, so we're buying it. We're buying Tony Horton. I couldn't be buying any well, harder. Because down in the news, oh, no, 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 guys, don't put P90X in the headline. <laughs> now, then I don't I take it's offense a, to It's a separate thing. My faith well, is in Eddie Lacy, not Tony Horton. Yes. Well, but that that doesn't fit well with my part two question. Right, I, don't think, it does. I don't think you're going to run for 1,200 yards, and you're doing P90X. I want to ask you this. Why is our company, NFL Media, afraid to give Tony Horton the respect he wow. deserves for carving Lacey into a new age pig, pigskin demigod. Dan, answer. 
Well, he's like a, a professional athlete that's been gifted with an amazing uh, body to work with and sculpt. So any trainer, whether you're Tony Gordon or whoever, <laughs> excuse me, or you know, uh, <laughs> Tony you know, Stewart, Joe Blow down the street at the at the uh, local gym. If the if Eddie Lacy is is going to be motivated, he's going to have uh, get in shape, and then he'll be a star running back. That's more yes. reticence to and not give Horton credit. Eddie that's, Lacy that's was a world right class athlete before Thank he ever you. met uh, Tony Horton. Then he fell he fell off Great. the track. He he was unmotivated, and then in comes Tony Horton and just reshapes this athlete into an A plus devastator. I know you this respect is... Antonio Forthen, but I just feel like. <laughs> Ultimately, this is about Eddie Lacy as a world-class athlete, not about P90X. One right. of my favorite newsroom subplots is that Mark once did P60X. Like That's five about years as far as I got. For five years ago, and now Tony Morton is his favorite. All right. Right, time. exactly. Tim That's Tony with an I. My too. point has been made in this room. <laughs> right. By the exactly. way, who was the only one that believed in you when you went back on P90X? Well, beyond my wife, who maybe did I not believe in you. you, I was going to say you. You were the verbally. You verbally said yes. Everyone else said this won't out? happen. He, here's I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Here's the answer to I'm your doing question, it every though. Day. You know, okay, we can talk about his weightlifting. Do we really want to be giving Tim Horton all this free advertising throughout the universe every time we bring him up? He's got he's got Thank great you. donuts. Well, I think it makes up for the blatant lack of respect he's been shown by our company. Underrated coffee, good donuts. <laughs> Tim Horton, he's the man. <laughs> all right. We got to learn from our mistakes. The chat client that shall not be named disrespected us. We can't let uh, Blair Horton do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, the Detroit Lions, Chris Wessling. Can a team with no stars left on the roster compete with the Packers and Vikings? I'm going to answer this quickly. No. The more I've looked at this Lions team, the more I think that they could be in the cellar in, in a bad in a bad team. Now I don't I don't know that, but if you if you I kind of had the feel like okay they'll bounce back. They just were pretty good a couple years ago. You know they have staff. There's some okay things about them. And if you really look up and down their roster, there's not a lot to get really excited about. I think if you're just Ziggy judge- Ansa and. DeAndre Levy, that's about all I and, got. And, and those guys, Ansa doesn't really have questions, but he's not. I wouldn't put him in the top five at his position yet. Levy has questions just coming off the injury. And and the rest of the roster, to me, it, I mean, that could be a five-win five type of team. Darius Slay, too, a, a really good cornerback. I should mention him. But. You know who agrees with you guys is Kevin Patcher, who has suffered through life as a Lions fan and is very annoyed often. You know, he, he's, he's Just period, you could put Well, but yeah, all right, that's fair. But he's, yeah. he's angry often that, that he says, you know, the Browns are worse than the Lions and get way more attention. Same with the, all these other teams. He's like he, – and I said, but Patcher, the Lions – wouldn't you agree that what is it you latch on to? He, he would say that you don't have Calvin Johnson anymore. Outside of Matthew Stafford, there's just not much to market. It's like Tate. I love Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. That's a fine duo, but then there's nothing behind them. Oh, Jeremy Curley? Uh... I like Amir Abdullah, but I don't like him really as your lead number one running back. And then you look at the, the defense right now. You have Ansa, but the rest of the, the defensive line, not a lot that really gets you excited. What there. about that Jim you... Bob Cooter, though? Oh, I forgot about I do like Scooter time. I mean, it is is it crazy to think that they could pick up where they left off last season? Is it just you strip out an aging Calvin Johnson and everything falls apart? Well, picking up where they left off last season assumes you're just talking about the second half. That's what season. I mean. I'm, I'm talking, about, talking what about, they about the whole season. Yes. Ultimately, they, they were a team that was a seven-win team. That was about... Well, until they played. fired their offensive coordinator and Jim Bob Cooter rose up to be what he is, which is a fascinating play caller. My answer is yes. The NFL is all about double teams. Calvin Johnson took defensive attention away from other players. Marvin Jones isn't doing that. And Ndamukong Sue, like now it's been two years removed, but still that was a crushing loss for the franchise. They probably were right not to give him that much money. But I think it comes down to ultimately with the the Lions, they had a window – and in and pure and classic lines uh, world, it wasn't a big window. It was a slim little window, and they kind of got jobbed out of a playoff. They game got Dallas, and then the window closed. And that's for some franchises. Uh, looking to the guy to my right right now, opportunities uh, find a team again and again and again. Maybe the Lions had that one window to make something special. You know what happen. that window that was? Window. You know when you're like in a friend's basement. And if the top, right by the ceiling, there's that little tiny, tiny window that looks up out of the backyard. Yes. That's their window, and it ain't opening. It's shut. <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Here's my question, guys. Are the Bears under the radar after a nice little offseason here, both in free agency and it looks like a pretty solid draft for Chicago? Are they under the radar as an NFC playoff team in the making? 
I was talking with Mark yesterday about there's not much difference between a five or six win team. And I would say this about the Lions, too. They're not such a bad roster that they couldn't get lucky. There's not a big difference between a five, six win team and winning a, a sneaky nine games. Like, it's much harder to win 10 games year after year. Could they do that with a few things breaking their way? Sure, why not? I think because of the coaching that they had last year and what they added, they could get up to 500. It's not that crazy. Doesn't John Fox sort of specialize in that too, like the good regular season, and then we'll see what happens from there. It's it's almost like that Cutler contract really, really sabotaged this team because had they gone out and got a young passer like a year or two ago, a new quarterback with what they've done elsewhere on defense especially, they're like a team of ATL candidate. But And Wes, I'll tee you up for this because – that's who hangs over everything. The one name brought up, Jay Cutler. Is he is he doomed them in any every way when it comes to actually taking this team seriously? Yeah, to me, you always have the Cutler caveat with the Bears, and they would be my choice for Team of ATL. Probably, I like wow. everything else about them. Well, you love Kevin White. I love Kevin White. They have the most improved front seven in the league, probably, and still have a guy I can't get behind at quarterback, and I don't think most of their fan base can get behind him. Team of those talks are heating up, Team of ATL, by the way. Maybe it won't take till week nine to make our pick this time. <laughs> Ryan Hoyer, by the way, as we know, is the backup, too. And I, nobody's a big Brian Hoyer fan uh, when looking at a team to be, you know, he just had his an mom. embarrassing playoff loss. I don't even know if his mom is still with him anymore after what happened wow. in Houston. But at least they, it gives them somebody to turn to that would be proficient, uh, most likely. Uh, but not somebody who's going to lead you to the Super Bowl. They're going to have to overachieve to win eight games. I mean, they are so young, and their secondary is led by you know Kyle Fuller and Tracy Porter still got a starting job, and they didn't really invest draft picks in the secondary right away. I mean, they're still building this thing. I mean, they could be interesting with Floyd, uh, Lamar Houston, McPhee. I mean, I, like, it's got some fun players. If, we, if we're going to get all excited about Jacksonville getting uh, Dante Fowler back um, – we should be excited about Kevin White coming yeah, back absolutely. to Chicago too. Oh, we are. That's an and awesome. That's an awesome duo. And Eddie Royal has carved out a nice second career, sort of as a le- legitimate slot guy. That's a nice one, two, three. I'd feel I'd feel even doubly so if Adam Gase were still there. Mm, that's true. A little o- OC pop in a big spot from Seth. Was it Dowell Loggins no who's their OC now? Dowell Loggins. Well, he and he. Logbomb, I call him. Loggins. <laughs> Loggins was in Cleveland for a while, and he's the reason they drafted Johnny Manziel. So. Uh, One I'm, of the reasons I preferred his early work. Well, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting, uh, I'm gonna hang a little onion. I think a little later in the summer about uh, the 2016 season of uh, Jay Cutler. Wish me luck, guys. Didn't Damashek already try that? You're gonna go Brian Billick on us. He'll I think be Damashek went MVP every, every year. Someone predicts he'll be the MVP. <laughs> All right, moving on. It won't be me. Moving on. The Minnesota Vikings. Greg Rosenthal. The Minnesota Vikings are one of those teams. You look at and you think, okay, maybe they take a step back this year because, you know, that team that steps up, it's tough to keep that momentum. They're with the Packers. But I love their their start of their draft. Laquan Treadwell feels like filled a big need. Mackenzie Alexander, just everything I've read about him, he was a nice value. They have a deep secondary. Am I crazy to think the Vikings should be the favorites in the NFC North with everything they have coming back this year. And they are, they are the defending division champs. I do think that's crazy because I think the Packers are a lot healthier and a better team, a deeper team, have a much better quarterback. And I think that's the difference. But I do think the Vikings can be a better team and have it not result in a better regular season one, one loss record. Don't the Vikings have more young players getting better, though? Like Anthony Barr and Floyd and of course On Bridgewater, defense, certainly. And Diggs and Treadwell and Smith. Is and that's the, better. Well, you would hope that he does get. Well, better. they he gave him a new get, weapon. He needs to get better. What if he's like a poor man's Andy Dalton and, and his ceiling is just not that great? I mean, I have then they real are far from being about favorite, him, <laughs> and that's why I can never look past uh, the Packers because I feel like that's the big drop off there at the QB position, which is the most important one. Well, the Packers, if we're going to talk about these teams that get Player X back, you get Jordy Nelson back. And in theory, you're going to get a different Eddie Lacy and different a lot of Randall Cobb. Cobb. A lot of the issues that were going on with Rodgers, which are well documented, had to do with what was going on in that receiving core. So that's kind of a new team. But with Minnesota, I I think that Zimmer is sneakily like a top five head coach. Whoa! I really wow. do. I think he's a. I think he's he is also that their, their team building process has been 
you know, spot on for the past couple years. And I don't think Greg is far off that if it, best team in the division, we'll see. Will they be there right at the end? I think they will. And it won't be a fluke. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't necessarily consider them the favorite, but just looking at them, I think they should be considered one of those NFC teams that it'd be a big disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. That there's, this roster is really solid. Well, all rides on the quarterback. Whether he. Because he didn't take a step forward in his second year. No, and they nope. still and they still made the playoffs and should have won a home game against a pretty good Seahawks team. Weird you game, know? but yes. Yeah, come on. Second coldest game in NFL. Mother Fine. Nature was a third team in that. But, no, but they, you're right, though. People thought it would be a blowout. I'll, it wasn't a big deal to us because they weren't going to win the Super Bowl, but the division was on the line, and they went and beat the Packers. That's what happened. We all thought that, that there's no way that's going to happen. Like, of course the Packers are going to beat them. They didn't. The Vikings were better, and they have a young building team. Moving into a new stadium. And moving in <laughs> to a new division. Guys, the NFC South and Mark Sussler, get us going with the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I don't think we talk about the Falcons a lot on this on this show, and they still have a franchise quarterback in Matt Ryan. You've got arguably the best receiver in the game in Julio Jones and various other pieces, but defend this statement. The Atlanta Falcons are the most boring team in the NFL. Tell me why that's not true. Wow. Because Matt Ryan's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. And then when you have a top 10 quarterback, you're probably more exciting to watch. He's probably the back end of the top 10, I'd say. But uh, Were you just making yeah. fun of Wes and I for liking Matt Ryan too much, or was that someone else? That was Dan. Yeah, I mean, he's in the back end of the top 10. He's not an elite, elite guy, but, like, you got Julio Jones. If you start the putting the top 10 together, to you got to put some pretty good names behind him then. That's good. And I agree with you. I think he's there. Maybe he's 12 in, uh, in my heart. Point made, though. You've got a solid quarterback. I don't know. Yeah, there's I, a lot of teams with no quarterback. I don't think I can defend – I don't think I can, but I would say that Julio Jones is one of the top five most fun players to watch. Yes, and Devontae Freeman's probably one of the top five most fun running backs to watch. And anything hap- can happen in the Georgia Dome. So who are the other options then as the most boring? Well, I think the teams we would have automatically. every single year. And, and I think Titans were there, and that's not true How are the Giants, by the way? We hear this a lot. And then Odell Beckham's being called new Michael Jordan. Uh, why can't, I can't wrap my head around that logic. Because there are 52 other players in the field, and Eli's one of the most boring quarterbacks in NFL history. Oh. You could, you well, could, I don't you could I think a lot of people would disagree. <laughs> you know? uh, I think you could put the 49ers right now. Although with Chip Kelly, they're not going to be boring. They're going to be Oh, bad, they're going to be boring. But they're not. They're, I don't know if they're going to be that Well, they'll boring. be fascinating for about a month. I mean, you know, if they had plugged in some no-name at coach, that would have been absolutely. The Lions, whom we just talked about. The yeah. Lions are kind of sneaky up there right now. Like, I've gotten past yeah. the point where I'm excited to watch Matthew Stafford. That That point has passed. The Browns. Yeah, I mean, the, if you go talent level, Browns right at the top of that list. Oh yeah, the Browns I think oh, would be number one. The annual <laughs> winners of this award, the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. They're good, and I hate I hate to agree with you, but they're good. Like I recognize that they're good, and yet you're right. It's not the you know they have three good running backs. Don't want to be on this list. I'd say that Devonta well, Freeman. You know he had some moments last year. I'm not going to call he's him an a exciting fun guy player. To, oh, he's very exciting. He's a fun guy to watch. Muhammad Sanu, guy can throw the ball. He calls some of those option passes. Oh, this team is going to be a ball to you, watch, Mark. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying defend the statement. I think they're up in that top five group. Though. Absolutely. They could be the first team they're that doesn't have a dome, sack. Too. Absolutely. Even the dome does not help. I mean, when you're when you're pumping in fake crowd noise, you know, you're, you're making your own statement. Even when they were the number one seed, there was a little air of boring boringness to them. That's not even a word. But the thing I don't like about the Falcons <laughs> right now – Thomas Dimitrov and Jerry Reese, don't take these shots at all the critics after the draft. They're punching down. That's not what you want to do. You shouldn't be listening. He's, he's all worried that no one likes his draft. Ignore him. <laughs> the defending NFC champion, Carolina Panthers, Chris Wesley. Panthers became the first team in the history of the NFC South to win this division back-to-back years. They've won it three consecutive years. Is there any team here that can possibly stop them from winning it four consecutive years? Are they that much better than the rest of this division? I would struggle to pick another team right now on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, to knock off the Panthers. No matter what's happened this offseason, it's not been a great offseason for the Panthers, but what team are you going to get behind? I mean, honestly, I would go Tampa. They're going to need a Cam Newton injury what? to knock off In the off division the we're talking about, right? 
I would I would not Anyone go I would go teams. Tampa Bay before I would go Falcons or the Saints. The Saints are put up there as this potential playoff team every year and they have been an absolute white hot mess well, for multiple years. And yet they're still better than the I think they're still better than the Bucks and they were better than the mm. Bucks as a white hot mess even a year ago. No, I think the well, Panthers the, I the Panthers deserve our respect. We know crazier things have happened every year than a team like the Panthers not defending, but they they should be considered with the Patriots and the Seahawks and maybe the Packers as the teams that we'd be stunned if they didn't make the playoffs. I think well, they earned that. Well, how are you going to disrespect the Cardinals like that? And the Cardinals. Throw them All in right. there. Yeah, uh, no, you're right. The Panthers are in I'm the same position the that the Patriots have been in seemingly for um, decades now where it's not only are they one of the best teams in the league, they're playing in a, a division that sets them up well for success, I feel like, every year. So I think I don't think there's anybody close to them at this level, and I'd be surprised if they won less than 12 games when they get to beat up on these teams that they're superior on all year. I mean, let's not make it like they're on some crazy big run. They won seven games two years ago. Yeah, I mean, but... Right, listen, but they became team, the team they were down the stretch. Yeah, they right. lifted off. I mean, I don't look at that, them in that way anymore. I, I see them as a legitimate superpower. Are you, are you saying you have reservations that they really are... As, no, as no, no. Them. I just mean it, it hasn't been some long, uninterrupted, you know, run of Panther success. To me, you're right. That team, they became who they were the second half of that season. They have been on an incredible year and a half run. And it's with drafts like the one Gettleman had, which no one really noticed. Like taking another defensive tackle, Hog Molly in the first round and Vernon Butler, that on paper you don't even need. Taking three cornerbacks that, you know, two of them people didn't even know who they were. And yet it's, it works out. You have to trust what they're doing. And don't sleep on the fact that Cam Newton won MVP last year, played out of his mind all year, and now he gets his best wide receiver back, Kelvin Benjamin back from ACL. So their offense could potentially be better. Uh, I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing here. I mean, it's it's a good point. They get Benjamin back. Uh, their offense can be better on paper, but they're not going to – they faced one of the easiest pass defensive schedules you'll ever see last year. Can the offensive That's line be happening. that good again? And if not, is Jonathan Stewart and Cameron Artis Payne really a backfield that can get it going another year? The New Orleans Saints. Yeah, Mark had it right. This is a team – that's been kind of floating in purgatory for a few years now. And they made the decision. They kept Drew, Drew Brees around. They made sure Sean Payton wasn't going anywhere. But I have to ask, after a draft that was not at all compelling, uh, only had five picks, um, would this team have been better off just blowing up the thing and starting over? And are they just dooming them to be you know, the 18th best team in the league uh, for another couple of years and then having nothing left because Drew Brees is 40? You're never better off getting rid of a franchise quarterback. That's all I have to say about that. I think they made a mistake signing Sean Payton to that long of a contract. I just didn't think it was necessary. He had a couple years left. He leveraged a crazy situation into big money. And like, what's the reaction going to be if they go 7-9 and nine again and you have this guy locked up for four What years? leverage did he have anyway? But here's – what did you say? Honestly, what was Sean Payton's leverage? Just the ownership? Unease, that he or? made them think that he was wanted elsewhere. I guess. And I think he, he I think that there are owners that would absolutely want Sean Payton as their head coach over what they have. That's today. not all you get with Sean Payton. That's not all you get. Oh, no, there's no question about that. And, and and you're right. You don't you don't blow up the Drew Brees machine when he's still a productive quarterback. But I just look at the team building process in, in this with in, in this city and say, come on. I mean, it feels like, you know, Mickey Loomis would rather go sit in the Pelicans front office and handle that but situation. Here's the thing. With, and, Wes, you're right. I mean, it's so hard to get a great quarterback, let alone a Hall of Fame guy like Not Brees. just a franchise quarterback, I but got a guy it. who's still a top six NFL quarterback. I got that. But are the Saints like two years away from being a, a championship contender again? I don't know if they are. They don't seem that way, the roster anyway. And by the time – two or three years hits, Drew Brees is like 40 years old. So at some point, do you make a franchise decision to re gut the roster, start something from scratch, and, and then hope to I, find the next Drew Brees? I don't think the NFL works like that anymore. I think you're almost always trying to compete, especially if you have a quarterback. I do think they're trying to win now. I really like their draft. I'm not a draft, Nick. They were aggressive. It was kind of a win-now type of draft because they traded up for less picks, got three guys in the first three and two rounds, and they were huge needs. Sheldon Rankin to Connor Orr's boy seems like a very safe pick at a position they need. Michael Thomas is a guy who's probably going to start at wide receiver. They have a good track record getting wide receivers. And then uh, the safety to replace uh, Jairus Von Bird, Bell. Von Bell, who's a big hitter. Byers. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling Byers. that the Saints might Byers. 
turn it around at least, if only because the defense has been so, so bad. They're just bound to get What's a little better. What's the reason to believe they're going to be so much better on defense? Because it's hard to be that bad that many years in a row. That just You're just almost bound to be the 22nd best defense no, Rob Ryan. instead of the 31st. I guess maybe that helps. The, Rob at least their philosophy is in line. Where If you're going to keep Drew Brees around and you're going to keep the front, the coach and GM and part, go get guys to try to win now and, and cash in on this. Uh, we'll see if it actually works. And finally, in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Greg, I I had a hard time coming up with a draft question on this Tampa Bay team. And you you talked about boring teams. I love Jameis Winston, and yet this team I, I don't know what to say about this team right now. So let's just talk about Winston. We haven't much this off season. What are your expectations? for Jameis Winston in year two? Do you think that he makes a Derek Carr, Blake Bortles type of jump? Is it, could it be better than that, like an Andrew Luck type of move? Like how good do we think Winston can be now? I mean, I think he was already much better after one season than Carr was after his first NFL season. And, you know, everyone thought Mer- or, uh, Winston was this wild card coming out of out of college in terms of his character. Everything you hear is different, that they love him inside the building. He's shed weight. He's gotten into excellent shape. I think he's going to have the kind of season. I, I'll stick with this. I think Tampa Bay is going to be hanging around in December, and it's going to be a lot to do with him. I don't worry about their offense. I worry about their defense. Um, and, and that's been the case for a long time, but... I like Winston, and I do see kind of a, a second-year Carr Bortles thing out of him. I think a lot of people are too down on Mike Evans, who had a lot of drops last year, but is a phenomenal talent. And, and they've got a good wide receiver core, Vincent Jackson and Austin Safarian Jenkins coming back. And I really like Cameron Brate, their second tight end. The backfield, I think, is the best in the NFL. Yeah. Mm. That's a loaded – A lot of weapons. Fun offense. Winston, to me, I know you love Mariota, but I think Winston has a higher ceiling – right now, and, and maybe long-term. I don't too. think there are three or four quarterbacks in the league who have a higher ceiling than Mariota. That's why I think that. Right, and maybe maybe they both have really high ceilings. There's no arguing that they're both really talented, but I, I could see Winston making a big step up to the point where we almost overrate him, like, or maybe not overrate him, but a type of Andrew Luck type of second season where we start thinking, like, wow, this guy is going to be one of the guys for a while. And and I'll, I'll say it, by the way, because somebody's got to say it after the draft – if you're a team that's had defensive issues for years and then you invest a second-round pick in a kicker, and I know this guy's supposed to be a great kicker, uh, Roberto Aguayo out of Florida State, the best one in years maybe since Janikowski, but that's that's leveraging a major part of your draft to tra- go get a special teams player. Well, he traded up, too. He gave up two picks for a kicker. That's a, I mean, that's, that's ne- a wild move. Right. And show me history where it's shown that that's been – never- Maybe Janikowski, you could argue, but other than that, it never works out. And, well, looking back, it worked with Janikowski. But when the Jaguars – did they take a – was it a punter they took in the third round a couple years ago? Ahead of Russell Wilson, yeah. Yeah, and it's like whenever you do this – you're you're asking for a PR apocalypse, so you better weather it. It's, it's tough not, for Aguayo. It, it's not even like okay, Janikowski had a great career; he was worth the pick. David Akers, the Eagles got him for free, right. undrafted, and he had a better career for a long time than than Janikowski. In fairness, they took two defensive players with their first two picks, and he probably wasn't even the riskiest second round pick. They took Noah Spence, who was probably the number one off field concern of just about anyone, but they decided to go for a talented player. <laughs> And finally, the NFC West begins with the Sizzler. All right, let's go to Arizona. And I have a little something special planned for this topic, something new. It's a question in two parts. (laughs) Feels familiar. I feel like I'm rushing to a fire in 1907. Yeah. Mark Burns, 20 seconds from the setup. I'm pretty. Time. Well, listen. I'm whatever, pretty sure this is a nuclear warning. Whatever I got to do to get through this. All right, I want to. I want a number quickly between one and ten. What is our P level scale on the concept of Carson Palmer peaking last season? Well, I, one. Explain like. So if our P level. So he's in high, decline. You're saying a, a fall off season where it's like, wait a minute, what? I so if the P level was high, then we would be expecting the fall. Yes, higher P level okay. per usual would be more issues. I, 
I, I will not lie. I was truly spooked by how Carson Palmer played in the postseason last year, and I never thought it was like a narrative connected to him, but now I think it is. But that doesn't change uh, what they'll do in the regular season in a loaded roster, and he, he has all these tools, and his arm strength seems as good as ever. My feeling that he goes into some type of um, big decline, I put the P scale at three, but I do think Carson Palmer is now carrying around some demons. That's fair. My P scale is at one. I think the Cardinals are way too loaded. The offensive line got better. The backfield got better. I, I think they're going to be one of the best offenses in the league once again. Mine is a f- mine's higher. It's a six. He's been in the league for 13 years. Last year was by far the best year. Just naturally, you're going to think that he's going to take a step back. He's turning 37. I'm still not over this whole thing where guys, quarterbacks that are older than 35 are just awesome and they stay awesome, <laughs> and maybe that's just how it is, and I should get more used to it. Like, Drew Brees is doing it. Tom Brady's doing it. Carson no Palmer's quarter- doing it. Yeah, but, but at some point, like, it's got to fall off pretty quick. He's turning 37. All these quarterbacks you would cite in history before 2010, not one of them ever worked harder in an offseason than Carson Palmer did last year. Okay, media conversation part two. <laughs> Wes, I, I think I know what your answer will be here. Is this the best team in the NFC? I don't care what happened in Carolina or anywhere else. Yeah, I say yeah, but I think the Packers and Seahawks are right there with them. But I, I'll go with the Cardinals. I think. The, I mean the Panthers too. I, I don't. I didn't mean to forget the Panthers, but I'll a, take the. I'll take the Cardinals. Loaded conference at the top. I'd almost yeah. I think the Packers are in a perfect spot right now, where a lot of people are going to overlook them uh, as a favorite in the NFC after having to carry that crown for a couple of years. Um, I think Arizona will be right there, but I I would say I would put Green Bay over both them and Carolina. Uh, when it comes down to it. Seattle is going to be my number one until they prove otherwise for the next few years. I mean, this is, to me, the best. Didn't fran- they prove otherwise last year? If in a down year with a lot of things going against them, by the end of the year we still thought they're one of the six best teams in the league, and you look at their roster and everyone they have signed forever, over the last – I think they've been the best franchise that we've seen over the last 15, 20 years. Do they have a single offensive lineman who could start for another they've team? Once, they've <laughs> been the best team in the league despite those bad O-lines. But they weren't the worked. best team in the league last year. They were up there. The L.A. Rams, Chris Wesley. So they go out and they make this blockbuster trade, bring in Jared Goff. They pick up a couple of tight ends. Their offense should be a little better. Is this still a 7-9 and nine roster? On paper, you could make the argument mm. that the Rams got worse this offseason, couldn't you? I mean, they lost two of their four players in the secondary. Two very good players. And didn't really replace them. They add Jared Goff, so you're hoping Jared Goff is, what, 25, 50, maybe even more, maybe even better than that. But he's still a rookie quarterback replacing a veteran quarterback. And it's not like they made other big moves. They are... A better team if Ogletrees gets healthy. If Todd Gurley becomes an MVP MVP candidate this year, because what we hear is that Jared Goff probably starting day one, but he's going to have to get used to handing the ball off a ton. Gurley, if he's as dynamic and as special as we hear, and now he's a full year removed from his knee injury, no limitations. He's the key to them taking that next step. I think from seven nine to nine and seven. Let's say. Well, I mean, <laughs> I wonder: Are they? It's a big. It's a big step for wow. that franchise. Are they a better team today in terms of the whole roster? I have to argue yes. If they're if what they believed they were going had to do to change this rut they've been in that we've been making fun of for years is to go get the quarterback. If we're going to say Cleveland should have gone and done that and they're not going to be a good team because of that, well, the Rams went and did it. You have to pay the price. You have to pay the price, and they are willing to do it. And I don't think that they're a much worse team because they lost a couple players. No, I don't think they're worse. And they're convinced that they're on the precipice. They are really convinced of that. I think Jeff Fisher and Les Snead will be shocked if they're not a winning team this year. They have five offensive linemen (laughs) that are – They were shocked they weren't a winning team. They're always shocked, Greg. They were shocked that Nick Foles didn't turn out to be a great starter. Maybe they believe the whole everything hanging over St. Louis, which maybe is a factor. That's not an easy thing for a team to go through last year, what they went through. Now they're, in theory, in a stable, more situation. They have five offensive linemen who are entering their second year together. Hopefully they're they're a little bit better. By the way, I know Jeff Fisher loves to talk about how great their young offensive linemen are. That was one of the worst run-blocking lines in the league last year. That's that's fair. I mean, you the one thing that if you go back, your boy Belichick when he was with Cleveland before they moved to Baltimore, he talked about how impossible it was. Cleveland? 
Yes. Should have held on to him. Eons ago. Probably should have. That it was impossible to coach for that situation. And now they're probably, of all the teams, the most celebrated by the league in terms of what a wonderful new splash. But they got a weird schedule coming up. But that's the thing. The Rams have a lot of things going against them. Let's hear some. Their schedule is bizarre. First of all, they're in the NFC West, which we say is one of the hardest divisions in the league. They have a tough out-of-division schedule. They only have two games in Los Angeles in the first two months of the season, in the first 10 weeks. So they're either on the road or they're going to London London to face the Giants before a big bye week. And it's just a weird thing that, that you they should see. Our, they should see our buddy Spencer you, over in London, by the way. Oh, yeah. He works at uh, Eve Mattress. Spencey! EveMattress.com at Eve underscore sleep. What Old an employee. Spencer. What a company. Old Spenso. Spencey! Spence bomb, I call him. We we need to get over to London too. I mean, we sent two yes. of you guys over to London last year, but we need to get a the whole group for one big show. It's the, I'm actually this is so important. I'm gonna uh, stop uh, the game for one second. And not, you know, we tried the on to London thing. We need to really, you know, barge into some offices for the shadowy league figures and let them understand the foothold that our podcast has in the UK and that we should be brought together with our listeners in England for what would be a beautiful, beautiful moment. I think you send the entire group because they're our family over there. We have people in London. Last year couldn't have gone any better. Why not do it again? It would be a crime to keep us stateside. I think we can guarantee a huge turnout and make this. We can do this thing upright. The London people will come out for it. Does uh, Does this include me? Of course, it does. Just it making does. sure, uh, unless depending, unless like they say, well, you can Brandon can go, or you guys can sit first class, and then we just have to have a meeting <laughs> and make a decision. That's all. I completely understand. Yeah, that. you'd get that. Uh, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, Brandon. We, you know we love you, Irishman. All right, let's move on. Give us give me another horn, why don't you? Thank you, baby. The San Francisco 49ers. Question. Will this be the most depressing QB camp battle since Rex Grossman v. John Beck, Washington Redskins 2010 <laughs> or 11, whatever it was? I don't know. I, I might raise you Josh McCown, Case Keenum, and Robert Griffin no. III. No, no, no. Nothing uh, no. beats Case Beck. Case Keenum? Beck is beat I mean, by no one. I keep, calling, uh, I keep calling your UCLA boy Case Keenum. I don't know why. <laughs> I know why. I, Greg, That's you awake. Greg just fell asleep during the podcast. <laughs> All right. Honestly, though, uh, Colin Kaepernick hates the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick hasn't been good in several years. Colin Kaepernick wanted out and played his hand poorly, and now he's stuck there with a team that probably doesn't want him. Blaine Gabbert, all the, there's sometimes positive buzz around this guy, but he's still Blaine Gabbert, who hasn't done a damn thing in this league. Pretty depressing uh, when you look at the I think it's depressing that. for the first thing you mentioned, that any sort of – enticement around the idea of Kaepernick and Chip Kelly finally being married together and seeing what would happen there is the fact that your quarterback, everyone's talking about Blaine Gabbert's been a great leader and working his butt off, and that's a good way to come off of what was a promising season last year. And then you have Kaepernick, whose entire offseason effort has been trying to get out of town and play somewhere else. Well, we don't know what setup. he's been doing, but there was a picture that floated around on the internet a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you guys saw it, where Kaepernick looked like he was about 145 pounds. Well, he hasn't been able to lift any weights. He's coming off major shoulder surgery, so he. You wonder if he's going to be ready, like to be somebody that can compete for a starting job. That's a major question. You wonder if John Elway was aware of that as well. Fair Probably concern. Was. As you've heard me say, I couldn't lift weights for a year, and. I mean, I I know how it feels not to be able to do it. You're not in anywhere near your shape you need. Well, he can now. He's already gotten back. He's already throwing the, the ball, and it's going to take a while. It's May. It'll take a while. It is a depressing battle. It is it is a depressing thing for 49ers fans to just have so much faith in Chip Kelly that he can generate offense. They didn't take any wide receivers, I think, in part because Chip Kelly thinks he can manufacture yards without – a wide receiver, but their number two wide receiver right now is Quentin Patton. Well, or, or or either that or Chip Kelly was not hurt in the draft room because he had a history in Philadelphia of drafting receivers higher in the draft. Now he had to get rid of some, Deshaun Jackson too, but he addressed the position and then they did nothing. And like, I got attacked by Niners fans for saying, Physically? oh, you don't get it. Like, we've got a lot of depth at receiver. We got a lot of players. We don't know if any of them can play. No, they don't have any depth. What are, well, I, they have a lot of bodies. I'm not saying depth. They're saying, Every we, team we, has 10 receivers. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, 
It's like Bruce, technically every team has a lot of depth. Like Bruce Ellington and Jerome Simpson are probably their three and four right now. That's the worst in the league. 49ers fans might be the most delusional in the NFL right now. Really? Well, they've also been complete over the last two seasons, off seasons, absolutely sideswiped. I mean, I kinda how like can you believe where they are? I kind of like their front seven, though, adding DeForest Buckner to it. It's not a bad front seven. They have that to build off. Theoretically. And finally, Greg, your boys, the Seahawks. The Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks. Okay. Greg is not prepared Greg's a question, obviously. <laughs> Greg checked out of his pod about four minutes ago. That's, we lost them. That is so. Come back to us. That is so not true. All right, you all. now have two minutes and 48 seconds. You've <laughs> achieved that. What else? I think the Seahawks drafted a couple starters. Uh, you know, they're not big names. They always draft guys that no one's ever heard of. Not no one's ever heard of, but they're like surprising picks. Afedi, uh, Jaron Reed, who you wrote a, a scorcher uh, about scorcher. nose tackle. I was going to bring up, is this, the, is this still the, the best roster and the best team in the NFC? Because that's what I believe. When you have a defense that's been together that much and everyone's signed long-term and, and they're – getting better in theory like to me they are the favorites why wouldn't they be why are they a better roster than the cardinals i don't understand the question when you put still in there because they weren't last year you you keep acting like the seahawks were the best team in the league i don't i don't just think about that the nfl starts where last year leaves off i value the last three or four years more and right but they i I don't me they're like the bullies they were down like 31 nothing at halftime in the nfc divisional playoffs i know they made a nice comeback but there was there was a case to be made that they had already kind of uh these other teams had passed them by and you know i guess my my thought is their four-year run has been incredible and the last year to me with the roster that they have feels like okay that was their down year they're they've turned into uh, at least What's as, better about him? as good of a version of the Patriots where in a down year you're competitive in a divisional round game. What's better about them this year? They lost their, what, only two veteran offensive linemen? The Russell Wilson's getting better. Well, you've lost Marshawn Russ- Lynch. Can Russell Wilson, who is one of the best players in the league, he was amazing. go to another level? Yes, of, he can. None of us is disrespecting the Seahawks. We all see them as a top five NFL team, I think. But I don't think you can say that they're automatically better than the Panthers and no. the Cardinals right now. They're in the mix. They just feel like the safest, the safest they, group of that of those teams with Bennett, Avril, Wagner, Thomas, Sherman. It's almost like the C. I don't know if they're underrated, but I feel like the run that they've had over the last four years is almost underrated because they've only gotten one title out of it. You're right. I think you talked about it. the NFC is very top heavy right now, and they're probably not the sexiest story the way the way they were two years ago too. Yet they deserve the benefit of the doubt because you, they're a top five team. We all agree it. There, it, it would be a surprise if they aren't in the NFC Championship game. So. Yeah, you, you, things break a little differently. You could, you're right; they're a better team. They haven't had the best drafts lately, but I got—I don't know why I have a feeling these guys are going to play right away. They're, they drafted two running backs, Alex Collins and C.J. Prosis, which I couldn't tell you a lot about, and yet one of those guys will probably wind up having a big factor into. Prosis should be the third down back. He came into college as a wide receiver. Um, I think I think they're expecting him to take that Fred Jackson, Robert Turbin role. Let's, don't forget Kristen Michael. Let's see. Yeah, I think they forgot yeah. him. The, Th- the Thomas Rawls is a big part of all this, yeah. yeah. But it has to be said that that Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in the league probably in the last, what, 10 weeks of the season. He he shredded he everyone. There, he was right there with Cam. Yeah. I mean, was, he, well, and their whole passing game, which people didn't think much of, completely turned it on. Doug Baldwin, a guy that you know, I think a lot of people overlooked a little bit, myself included, showed that he was he had a chance to be a star with this type of quarterback. Tyler Lockett. I mean, maybe Lockett score. gets better. Maybe Paul Richardson I mean, comes maybe back right, and Greg. gives him something. I mean, there's this team that's going to score a lot of points, it looks like. And, uh, it, or have the ability to score a lot of points, and the defense. It's we already know what the defense. Maybe Jimmy is. Graham three. is like three quarters of what he was. And mm. well, that's the one thing they do. They keep swinging for the fences with these trades for veterans, and then they don't fit in their offense. We got to see that. That's it. We went around the NFC in approximately forty-eight minutes, maybe forty-nine, but it was very close either way. And you guys should all be proud of yourselves for that. So give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> Go ahead. Don't be shy. Okay. I mean, don't clap too loud. You'll wake Greg up. <laughs> what, 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 is Greg? This? what is this? No, what happened narrative? at the end there? You, what is you this lost narrative? your energy at the end. That's the energy faded on us. That's not true. Well, we love having you here. Greg. <laughs> Every show. Uh, we will be back. We'll have three shows next week. 
Um, the league might be in hibernation, but not the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, so make sure you check it out. I'll be back on Monday with another show. Until then, this and we'll give you an update on the softball situation. Oh, I, I hope, put it this way, a good manager slash captain, he wants his best player to stick it to him in a spot like that. So what? maybe Wes does. It, 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 it proves the maxim, the two things people just can't stop hearing about. Uh, co-ed softball leagues in your fantasy football team. No, this, this team has too many leaks. There's too much infighting. There, I, I need to see some cohesion and production for a change. The Bronx is burning. This is Dan Hansa signing off. Four, Quiet Storm, the mailman, leadoff hitter. I want you moving people along. I want you bunting. I want it all. You don't button softball. The boss <laughs> and the Irish behind the glass. Till next week. Dead inside. I'm dead inside. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.